0: Welcome to a football show, not Victory Monday here on the 440 Sports Network. Brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. He is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall. Jump into the comment section. We've got things to talk about, despite uh, what took place on Sunday in Jacksonville. We still have a lot to discuss because there still is an evaluation ongoing, Zach, of Will Levis. Exactly what we are learning about him, I am unsure. uh, But you've got some thoughts on that, so we will. Talk to you about that coming up in just a second. If you guys have questions about Mike Vrabel, I know I had some friends giving parties over the weekend uh, on Saturday and on Sunday, and a lot of folks asking questions about Mike Vrabel that I think are all very logical and sound and reasonable questions. I'm, I'm starting to run out of answers. <laughs> so, so if you guys have some questions, uh, please go ahead and get involved. Uh, later on, we'll talk a little bit more SEC football today because Tennessee Volunteers also dealing with some trauma. Over the weekend, and of course, Zach has he has some words, an apology uh, for you, the audience, for you, college football fans out there. So we'll get to that a little bit later on as well. Uh, Leadership needs to step up for this football team, for the Tennessee Titans, and exactly what are the new things that this team could do? Because we're big on try some shit Uh, in my household. I know you are as well. Uh, It we've reached the try. So are some of the players. (laughs) <laughs> as, as it might appear. Uh, so and, and then exactly what are we learning about Will Levins? I think it's ultimately one of the more important conversations. So a lot of stuff to do today on the show. Get involved. Easton Fries uh, says, conducting a little poll, what is your number one critique of Tim Kelly through 10 games? That's a fascinating question. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group, are, of course, are two great local amazing sponsors. And I think, you know, Zach, you 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 write about this team, the Tennessee Titans at StackInTheMbox.com. You've talked about it for years on the F-Words pod brought to you by Bluegrass, which is Sinker's sister store. Uh, and of course, we've, 440's now been up and running for about three years covering all things local. And the whole point is to support each other in these endeavors, especially when times get tough. And, and you know, middle of the third quarter against Jacksonville, 27-0, times were kind of tough. And so the whole point of having a good, strong community Uh, is good, strong communal businesses supporting each other. So you need to drink, which I assume you do, go to Sinkers. If you need anything done on your house, Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. We've got to come together, Zach, in this time. These trying and difficult times, Tennessee Vols fans, Tennessee Titans fans, we've we've got to come together and really support each other. I think it's important in these times.
1: It is, it is. uh, There's no better place to, um, you know, try to forget what you've seen Other than a liquor store, like go to a (laughs) liquor store, get you some alcohol and just get blackout drunk so you don't safely at home. And uh, that way you don't have to remember anything about this miserable football team.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, what's interesting is also if you use the liquor store to consume beverages, which, of course, is what they're really, really good at is providing you with beverages. Uh, Sinkers, by the way, of course, 2022 liquor store of the year in Nashville. So award winning when we say that we really, really mean it here's the thing though once you get to that point of intoxication probably not good to try home improvements at that point like you just shouldn't shouldn't be doing any of that stuff that's when you reach out to the kingston group hopefully you don't slur your speech too much but just tell them what you need have that conversation maybe record it so you remember what you what you talked about with the kingston group uh but if you're if you're getting intoxicated probably not the best time to do home improvements. so remember the name the kingston group uh, and maybe to to take an Uber, I guess, uh, or just have them deliver the booze right to your house. Just search search Sinkers Beverages right there on your Uber Eats app, app there.
1: They drive so you can drink. There you go.
0: Uh, Matt says, if the Titans had league average tackle play and they didn't have to chip on both tackles, what would the record be? Yes, uh, high energy from Deagle as well. So I guess, Zach, that's kind of a good question. And I want to get to Easton's question in a second about critiquing Tim Tim Kelly. But I think that's probably a good place to get to because you tweeted this out during the game um, at Levis's numbers, statistically uh, clearly the best game he's had since th- his debut <laughs> against, against Atlanta. Statistically, uh, I think it was 17 of uh, 14 of 17, uh, 100, 160 yards or so, a couple of touchdowns, high yards per attempt, a lot of good, uh, you know, in terms of um, uh, the advanced analytics, a lot of really high numbers in the advanced analytics department. Um, and yet they were down 27 to nothing. And I think Vrabel addressed some of this stuff on Monday's press conference. Just I I don't I I don't think a couple of sequences in the game changed the outcome, (laughs) but he wasn't wrong that a few dumb mistakes and penalties on third downs on defenses and then um, you turn around and you turn the ball over and then you turn around and you make another dumb mistake and that does lead to a snowball effect and you lose to one of your rivals in the division 34 to 14 in what is basically a, a total blowout.
1: Well, I mean, when you only run 38 plays to an offensive plays to the opposing team 69, you're you're not gonna win. Like I, I don't even know if there's a team that's ever won lo- that has run less than 40 plays. Like it feels like that's maybe like back in the 70s or 80s or something like that. But that's just not a recipe for success. And I've seen a few people say, well, run run passes back. Look, if you go back and look at the drives, there is only one drive that ended in a punt. That started out, and there's actually only one drive period, but it did end in a punt. And it's the very first drive they went run, run, pass. Wasn't run, run, pass anytime else. Uh, you know, yep. I'm sure it was like in the middle of a long drive. I'm sure they went run, run, pass. But to start out a drive and stall, like we've seen for numerous years, where they go run, run, pass, punt, only one, one, one drive. So that's not the issue. So you you, you can, and I've seen that, you know, a couple of radio shows that say, or are they trying to feed Derrick Henry too much? Well, he only got 10 carries, so I don't think <laughs> I've been watching. But again, it's 10 carries off 38 plays. So the problem is a sustaining drives. The problem is is penalties. Uh I thought the first penalty on Roger McCreary, the first on third down, that was switched to defense on everybody, but I thought that was a bullshit call. He got grabbed by the face mask by Calvin Ridley and pulled into Calvin Ridley by Calvin Ridley, and they called pass interference on that. Uh, I thought the second one was a little ticky-tacky as well, but whether those are ticky-tacky or not, they still happen. They still hurt the team. Penalties hurt the team. And this team, ever since really last year, because we talked about it during the Giants game uh, to start the year, about how... I felt that the Tennessee Titans team wasn't itself because they kept committing penalties that you normally never saw them commit. Yeah. And talked about it today saying, I guess I'm just going to have to play the music a little bit louder and, this and that, and hopefully that will help, which I'm going to say something. I, I, I don't have a lot of blame. Like if I'm given a blame pie, a big chunk of the pie is talent. Okay, that that to me is the big everybody's telling you his talent. So number one
0: no, with, a with a bullet. With a
1: bullet. And but I do gotta bash Vrabel on this, and this is something that we've talked about many times about Vrabel. His biggest thing is stubbornness and ego. And I bashed Marcus for it. You know, those all those off seasons he kept saying, Well, I'm not gonna change anything, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. And Vrabel today gave that same fucking message that I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing cuz it worked once before. Well, it's not working now. So, and it hasn't worked for the last two seasons, you could argue as a whole it has not worked the last two seasons. As a leader, as a coach, you have to change something. And playing the music a little bit louder. Maybe I don't I don't know what the rules are on like, you know, allowing a player beating a player or like maybe like what you could do to embarrass a player, but obviously the music thing's not working for Dylan Raiders. The music thing is not working for the team. Like there's there's stuff that's not working. You got to figure something fucking out. Uh,
0: I I agree. So there's a lot of you guys in the comments here, and I'm trying to sift through all of them. Uh, Joshua says I think Tim Kelly's biggest flaw has to be his red zone play calling. I think we can get to that. Although they were one for one in the red zone, uh, so they actually significantly increased their percentage (laughs) over the weekend. Uh, Trey says being bad is one thing, being dumb and bad is another. I would agree with that. Uh, D Good said. Uh, I thought, hey, maybe bring Brewer back for another year, uh, for a year, uh, year, year or two. Excuse me. Now I'm good with this experiment. I don't know if I, I'm, I, I think Brewer is one of the least, like, of, of all the things on the offense that I'm concerned about, Brewer's kind of down the list. I, I'm not saying he had a great but, game, but, like.
1: Let me say something. He, he has no accuracy in, from shotgun. It doesn't matter who's back there. And Will Levis is the biggest target he's had, <laughs> and he still has no accuracy. Like, he can't get the ball and shotgun, and, and Mike Vrabel said yesterday, we're going to have to give him 100 reps because we can't play, you know, in practice because we can't play from under center the whole time, but he's also easily replaceable in this upcoming free agency. If this draft, if this free agent class technically, currently as it sits, now people get signed and everything, True. it's easier to replace probably Brewer than replacing the tackles of free agency. So you got to be... He, while he may be down on the list which i can i can agree there's like seven offensive linemen maybe like on this team that are worse than amber which is an indictment of this team overall yeah the he is the probably the most easily replaceable for next year to find an upgrade that's just, that that's just yeah, where i, I want to leave I, it with i Brother. think I, I think you're right
0: uh, considering his like his profile like overall talent level mixed with the positions easier to find you know, that kind of stuff. I, I can agree with what you're saying there. Um, I think this is one thing I, I noticed when I rewatched the game this morning, which, again, I I don't know why. Um, but King Carnage says, I just I just don't know how many starters are on this team would be starters on other teams. And I, and I found myself looking at literally just even just the Jacksonville to Tennessee comparison in the game. And I'm going, OK, Jeffrey Simmons starts over any interior defensive lineman for, for Jacksonville. And then I'm starting to look, and I'm like, I'd rather have ETN over Henry right now in their careers right now, today. That's a totally good debate if you want to go the other way. I'm okay with that. I'd rather have the quarterback. I'd rather have all the receivers. I'd rather have the tight end. I'm not sure how many offensive linemen I I would take from the Tennessee Titans roster. I I
1: think Josh Wiley is probably the best tight end on the field.
0: Okay, maybe you're, and that's fine. We can have that debate. Um, I I think if you start to look around, like Tyson. particular team. Yeah, sure. Tyson Campbell didn't even play their best corner, who would be easily the best corner on the on the on the Titans roster. So maybe the, maybe McCreary, you start. Okay, he would start for Jacksonville. But but the point being SMB like
1: he probably would start opposite Tyson Campbell. McCreary's starting the slot. I would think that Imani Hooker's better than probably one of their safeties. Um I I, I think Amani Hooker safety safety is just not in a position overall in the entirety of the NFL. And that's so it's not saying much about Amani Hooker I'm just saying that Amani Hooker's probably in a, a slightly above average league safety yeah even yeah. though but safety's just a down position and it's like running back right
0: like I would rather have Cisco probably over Hooker but then I'd rather probably start Hooker over their second guy and I think yeah, it's interesting right. like like again Hooker got absolutely torched by Calvin Ridley on the on the touchdown pass it, that was his but, only
1: play though, that he got torched on but like, like that the, was that's, his only fault
0: that's Shane Bowen's fault. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you should not ever be in a situation to have an elite number one wide receiver, man to man red zone with your, with your safety. Who's not exactly a burner at our, as far as coverage goes. Like that's not, that is a, that's poor play design or elite play design by Jacksonville. One of the two, like
1: it's probably a little bit of both, but I would say this it's, it's four yards. So, you know, I think a money, I think, What Hooker has or what Vrabel said today is technically correct, even though it's not correct, maybe on this particular play and maybe with this particular player. There's very few people on the team. That can cover a four-yard space better than Amani Hooker. Now, you know, again, you're going up against Calvin Ridley, but who are you going to put on him? Trey Avery, Eric Garer. I mean, like when you really go down the list of who you actually put on him, you can put on Christian Fulton on him, who gave up 115 yards yesterday on six catches and six targets. Like at this point, you, you just have to say, yeah, maybe that's the. It initially, your initial reaction is like, "Oh, I can't believe that Hooker is on Calvin Ridley." But then you gotta go. Well, they could put a Harold Landry on, on Hooker, you know. Like well, I'm right, saying, right, there's right. Just nobody else.
0: No, I, I agree. And frankly, when your number one corner over the last month and a half is getting benched in the third quarter for sucking ass, <laughs> like yeah, a co- coach's decision to play Trey Avery over Christian Fulton in, in the fourth quarter. Now again, game kind of out of hand at that point. I think Kyle Medina makes a great point here. And I think this Corey Curtis posted this on Twitter, and I support everything, everything about this. Mike Munchak, pay him whatever he need to pay him. Have him come back and fix his fucking offensive line. I could but not agree problem, more. So
1: I, I agree, but the problem is, is that. First off, Munch does want to come back and coach. He he said that recently on some radio station. He's removed. He missed last year because he had double knee replace or double knee replacement surgery or something like that. They said knee replacement surgeries, so I assume he had two at least. Um, but the problem is that Buck has talked to someone that knows intimately the Tennessee Titans as it currently sits, and Mike Munchak, and that he that this source that Buck has reported. This was a couple months ago. This source said. I wouldn't expect much to go in there because Vrabel just wants yes men, which much most <laughs> coaches, by the way, want yes men. <laughs> like, well,
0: they like, they well, want respect. They want they want people that respect the the hierarchy yeah. for sure. There's no there's no question about that. You guys are you guys are so active in the comments here. Uh, I'm having a tough time just keeping up with all, all you guys. Uh, so we appreciate your support of a football show brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. I want to go back quickly to to Easton's first question, just because a lot of you have answered about Tim Kelly and Tim Kelly's red zone and the run, run pass. You've already talked about that. I, 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 think the red zone is a question. I think, I don't know if I put that on Tim Kelly. I honestly, if I'm trying to, I'd have to rack my brain to come up with something specific about Tim Kelly during the game. I think getting Will Levis into simpler and easier and quicker situations to where he can make the adjustments, because I think, and this kind of piggybacks into our conversation about Will Levis, which is just, what have we learned through four games? And, and certainly what have we learned in the last two where it's like one's bad stats, but they're not competitive. One's good stats, but they're not competitive. The defense, we're going to get to that in a second because the defense is atrocious. Um, and so I don't I, what What is your answer to that question about what's Tim Kelly's biggest flaw right now? Because I still don't think he's a top five or eight reason why this team is bad right now.
1: I, I think right now he's near he's he is a reason Um I now if you would ask me this question you know the first six or seven weeks I'd say oh he's nowhere near the top but I think since the Atlanta Falcons game he's one of the reasons and here's why it's the same thing I gave Mike shit about about Todd Downing is that Everybody wants to say, well, the O line is so bad. How good can a coordinator be with a bad O line? He's got to have to scheme it, right? I mean, like, you have to work yeah. around it. Part of his fucking job is to find ways to work around it. And doing long developing routes is not it. And I keep saying it. The whole thing, the whole thing this year was we got pass protectors and we're going to play fast. Short area explosiveness is going to be our game. And none of those things have really happened since probably for a few weeks now. Now, we've seen him scheme people open, right? We've seen Ryan Tannehill miss several touchdowns at the beginning of the year and scheme people open. We've seen him scheme and, against the Chargers. We've seen him scheme against the Bengals. We've seen him do it. But if I cannot s- sit here and honestly say that the last three games have been have he he carries very little blame i think he carries a lot of blame because he's not doing putting his quarterback and his players in a position he is he's playing like he nothing's changed he's coordinating and doing everything like nothing's changed and that's obviously different you have a you have a more athletic quarterback than you had at the beginning of the year you have a quarterback with a bigger arm you have a quarterback that yes he's gonna make rookie mistakes and, and we saw that on display this, this week. But you could make it easier on him. You know, you have 20 dropbacks. Sure, Kyle Phillips played 11, but we've seen Kyle Phillips not play that much. And Kyle Phillips seems to be a reliable guy that can get open. Uh, I I am telling you that right now that if you look at the separation numbers from this game, Kyle Phillips was getting open at an above-average league level. Uh, NWI was getting open at an above average league level. So they can get open. But guess what? Even if they can't separate enough for them to be wide open, that's okay. Guess what, guys? If you want Will Levis to succeed, he's gonna have to make big boy throws. And so he's gonna have to make big boy throws in tight windows, regardless if they're quick routes, long routes. Does not matter. He's gonna have to do it. Quit allowing Will Levis or any quarterback in two-tone blue, quit giving them uh, an excuse that, well, the wide receivers don't separate, so what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to make a fucking throw. That's what franchise quarterbacks do. So in my opinion, and I think Will Levis can do it. I'm not sitting here saying that Will Levis can't do it, but he's going to have to pull the trigger, right? I bashed Malik Willis for not pulling triggers. I bashed Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota. They've all had problems pulling the trigger necessary at certain times in their career. Will Levis had that problem, has had shown to have that problem, not as a high degree, but it's shown to have that problem. So Kyle Phillips can get open in a short area. Tajay Spears, Josh Wiley. At those had, three. Yep. Keeney had five yards of reception or yards of separation yesterday. <clears throat> so these guys can get open. They just have to be skiing. Do you think Noah Brown is some like great fucking separating wide receiver? No, he's getting schemed open by freaking Bobby Slowett. That is the job of the offensive coordinator is to scheme people open. I
0: I think I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Um, I do think that the way you stop this offense is to roll your corners up, up and play man coverage. And that does sort of sometimes hurt the short passing game. But I agree with the names you pointed out because there was one on a, there was on a third down um, in the third quarter, I think, where. They threw the ball quickly to Spears out in the flats. He makes a guy miss and he almost gets the first down. He gets tackled like a yard shy. And, you know, basically it's Spears v. the world at that point. So, like, that's not fair. But I agree with Phillips. He had another third down, short pass, quick pass to the flats where Phillips actually took it five or six yards after the catch to get a first down. So, I Which think there's was also an
1: certainly- cr- insane, crazy play that they ran almost the same exact play. I mean, <laughs> it means I mean, twice in a row. From it's, N. It's but the but they changed
0: the they changed the guy. They went from N. W. I. Yeah, they changed the guy. But well, what's interesting is that I, I find, because again, I would argue, and somebody already said this in the comments, like that 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 drive that ended in the Levis fumble was a pretty well schemed drive. You got the Moore play on uh, kind of a trickish type mm-hmm. of play. Um, you you have the deep shots, which Vrabel clearly values. Every time he talks about what is Will Levis doing well and what he brings to the offense, he always always mentions the ability to go down the field. He did that again with the Hopkins throw, of course. Now, how much is that? Is a 27 to nothing score? Like, I, I don't know. I think that's a fair thing. I think Kelly is certainly to be blamed, like everyone is to be blamed for having a bad football team this many games into the season. But I don't like I can't, there's not something glaring to me that tells me that this guy is the problem. Or like I trust him that if they had some of the problems that were fixed, offensive line, maybe Traylon Burks is gonna ever play a football game. I understand the head injuries. Is, is a very scary thing. And we want to be careful with that. But uh, again, like the, the creativity around the red zone worked this time. Again, I know it was in a blowout, so it's hard to like truly put too much weight on it, but you, you're putting Jeffrey Simmons in there and you're throwing the ball now. Like I, uh, there was some stuff in there that I liked. I didn't have a problem with some of the stuff. And again, the reason Levis is had all the numbers he had w- was in part, some of the scheme. So I I just don't think it's, I think the offensive coordinator in every layer of football just get gets automatically blamed for the problems. I just think they do. And I think the smart Titans fans know that while he can be better, it, it is offensive line number one, rookie quarterback, receiving core number two. You you want I don't I think mean, Will
1: Levis is even on the blame list. Well, I
0: just I just mean the fact that he's like like I would argue probably, and maybe I'm wrong on this. This would be a good question. I, I think I assume that the playbook for Ryan Tannehill is a little bit deeper and larger than the playbook is for Will Levis. I would assume that there are certain things that Will Levis is going to have to learn and grow into. And one of my mo- most important questions I, mean, I wanted maybe, to ask. Maybe,
1: but I mean, I thought that was the big thing coming out of college was that he came from a pro style no, offense, I... I mean, two years in a pro style offense. I'm just saying, I I don't know. Like, well, let I don't me, think let me, let me ask there's you. anything that Tannehill can do that Will Levis can't at this. I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I, Will Levis. Eventually, maybe.
0: Yeah. 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 I think Will Levis is. Vastly superior physically to, to Brian Tannehill. I don't, I, I, that's not a debate. I'm just saying, you know, start number four, start number two. There might be a few things you, you as, as you go along, you're going to start adding more of that X, Y, and Z stuff or whatever into the playbook for a guy who's young. Now, I, this is my question what, what is it that you have learned about Will Le- Levis through this game in particular or through four games in general? Like, I see him and I go, he looks the part he looks like a, a starting nfl quarterback who is a rookie who needs some support in the offensive line i would agree with you that tim kelly needs to design some quicker passing like that that might be my top criticism as well is like hey let's be a little bit more preemptive on the pressure issue <laughs> and 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 do that but like g- give me your thoughts on just will levis from atlanta will levis against pittsburgh almost leading a game winning drive but kind of struggling uh, under a lot of pressure will levis not good at all but nobody was good against Tampa and then very efficient on Sunday against Jacksonville but really had no chance to to win the game
1: I I I think that I have some some critiques of Will Levis where I do think that he's holding on to the ball too long and this pre-snap taking it all the way up to one second is driving Uh, me fucking insane and that's been that way since he's came in and I think maybe he's doing too much at the line and I don't know if he's being asked to do that much at the line or if he has to do that much at the line because everybody just sucks. <laughs> but I, I don't know what it is. But I, I that issue, those two issues to me need to be fixed. Now, everything else, I'm fine with. Like, I don't think that there's, I mean, he made some boneheaded decisions. I mean, I'm not going to say that he's not. But they haven't really come back to bite the team in the ass for the most part. And and maybe they will, you know. what I'm saying maybe those those will eventually catch up to him. But those are also things you can kind of um, clean up as you go yes. with more experience, yes. with more reps. I I really like what I've seen from Will Lovis. Uh I wish I saw what you're seeing from C.J. Stroud. But again, you're when your offensive coordinator is as good as Bobby Slowick is then you know that helps out a lot. Um they they really do a lot to help CJ Stroud, Not to take anything away from CJ Stroud, but you see it. People are getting open that should never that have never gotten open in their careers. Well, except for maybe take down in college. But you know I'm saying that like that's that's a scheme thing. So to me, well Nico Collins has missed the
0: last not yesterday, but he missed the two yeah. games prior to that and and Noah Brown was out yesterday. I mean, they're, they're
1: they're a f- high-functioning offense, and I, I think that almost everybody in that building would say that Bobby Sloat gets the credit, and then C.J. Stroud yeah. is number two. Yeah, And I think that, it, you know, right now, Will Levis is performing better than I think most people thought, including myself. But I think yeah. even his biggest uh, fans, except for maybe PBK, I don't think anybody <laughs> – really expected him to look as good as he has, even behind yeah. this terrible offensive line, even behind with maybe a uh, offensive coordinator who, as uh, Eldon English, strike 113 in the YouTube chat said, Tim Kelly said he feels great opening up the playbook for him. Yeah. And then he proceeds to slam it shut. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, I, I, I don't have any concern with Will Levis. I am okay right now that Will Levis is the guy that you can build around for at least the next two seasons. Yep. Now, yep. he's still got to perform this year, next year, and the year after. But you got plenty of time to see what he can be, and I'm comfortable with taking that time to see what you could be. And I don't think it's a hindrance to the team if you take that time.
0: Yeah, I I I agree with that. A lot of good comments here. Uh Ed says he goes through progressions, keeps eyes downfield, and has good pocket awareness to me. Three vital checks as a rookie. I would tend to agree with that. Trey says all rookie mistakes, all correctable. That is the rolling left, throwing back right across your body into the field that should have been an interception. Vrabel addressed that. And Vrabel hey, actually
1: Tom Brady does it too. <clears throat> like, I mean, how many times sure. have you seen Tom Brady falling down and then throw a lame sure. duck interception to seal the game?
0: Mike Vrabel said on Monday he said look one of the things he likes the most about Will Levis is that he doesn't make the second he doesn't make the same mistake a second time and I think that's a really uh, a valuable asset to have uh, Timmy says and I, I think you must have misheard me um, <laughs> he said something like you have some damn good receivers in those boys for Houston Are fast. We don't have Nico Collins. We don't have Tank Dell. I I, obviously I agree. But what? But they did. What my point is is that he threw for four seventy against Cincinnati, and he didn't have Nico Collins. He didn't have Damian Pierce. He's got you know he had backups essentially with Tank, and they threw for almost five hundred yards against one of the better teams in the AFC. So that's all I was saying there uh, about that. I, I think to your point, there's a there's a way for a quarterback to manage every second of the play clock, and do it under complete control. And there's a way to mismanage the play every second of the play clock down to one second and to have your coach call two timeouts. Those are different things. A lot of times you see quarterbacks work it all the way down to one second, but they know it
1: for the, for the record, they weren't going to, they weren't going to throw the flag on either of those timeouts. No, I mean, he got the ball off in the acceptable amount of time.
0: Yes. I think it's variable. I, I, I think it's all right. We might not be in the right play. Maybe Levis didn't see the right thing. We just need to talk about this and take a second. Like I, again, you see a lot of quarterbacks take it all the way. The, the great ones will take it all the way down to one or two seconds, but they're doing it on purpose because they have, it's calm. It's like, it's they, they, they even though they're rushing to get the check and get the receiver in the right place and the right protection slid the right way, they sort of, they have the clock in their head at all times. And, and Levis just, that's just something that comes with time. You have to sort of have that. Um I, But I've always felt that he kind of gets it and and that part can be corrected. I think the silly kind of dumb throws across his body, those will get corrected the one that the play that actually led to the first down, which led to the first touchdown where he just gets fucking demolished. (laughs) Like he's rolling backwards to his left. And then he takes the shot in the chest and like falls back. Like you gotta get, you gotta avoid those. He's got to avoid those. So he'll, he'll learn about that stuff. I'm pretty sure uh, this morning when he wakes up with a back problem that he'll, he'll learn to avoid those, those mistakes. But I think by and large, the thing I've learned is that Will Levis is still the guy to build around. And I think the rest of the unit, everything you do when you make a decision from here on out on offense needs to be with the how can we make and help Will Levis get better decision, whether that's drafting an offensive lineman, whether that's signing someone for agency, whether that's developing a player, you're moving a guy from a position like it should all be geared towards how do we protect and help develop Will Levis every decision you make from here on out.
1: Oh, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, I fully agree with that. Yeah. Uh, um, he he he's. I I I think that you got a, You got a guy that you can build around. That's that's yeah, where my yeah. ultimate evaluation is. And he's not without his flaws, but it you know to me it's that's what he is.
0: And and you mentioned the snap count, which but according to Pro Football Reference, uh, seventy one snaps for for Jacksonville, forty snaps for the Titans. You're never going to win games that way. But according to the Chris Moore, actually had the most offensive snaps of any. Weapon on the Titans offense. DeAndre Hopkins had 25. This is what was crazy about that that number. Derrick Henry played 25 snaps. So 10 carries on 25 snaps is actually a lot of handoffs. DeAndre Hopkins only played 25 snaps, which is crazy. Spears played 18. I think you could start to see a a bigger timeshare from from Tajay Spears. Josh Wiley played 17 snaps. Again, doesn't sound like a lot, but it was more than Wesco and Chig. So he played more snaps than the other two tight ends. So I think that's something that you want to start to see. And then, as you mentioned, Kyle Phillips way down the list of number of reps that he got on offense, but it's starting to creep up percentage wise. And I think that's what you're, you want to start to see a little bit more is um, I, I think you want to see Spears, Wiley and Phillips getting a little bit more rep repetition in the offense uh, moving forward. And there's a couple of bad defenses coming up. So uh, open it up a little bit if you want to um, try some new stuff with your quarterback. Uh, I want to quickly talk about the defense just real fast. Um, because we've, I just wanted to rattle off some stuff. They gave up 128 yards rushing. It wasn't a bad per carry average against Jacksonville, but Jacksonville was kind of able to be very patient in the game. Right. So they were able to take the, the three and a half, three and a half, three point nine, three whatever yards per carry. Um, but it is the fifth time I believe in, in seven games that they've given up more than like 130 yards rushing. Uh, they did not take the ball away again on defense. So, The defense, 32nd in takeaways, 30th in quarterback pressures, uh, 29th in quarterback knockdowns. This Trevor Lawrence had all day the entire game. Uh, They are 20th in sacks. Utterly ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. Uh, 60 pressures all season. They have 14 hurries the entire season. That is 31st in the NFL. Uh, They're 30th in pressures. Uh, The quarterback rating against is 31st in the NFL. So the quarterback rating for every other opposing quarterback is over 100. Yards per attempt allowed in the passing game, 28th in the NFL, 24th yards per play, period. They've given up over 140 yards rushing on average over the last six games. Uh, And here's the other one I want to point out. Because I think this is indicative of what's happening. I think it's certainly indicative of what happened on Sunday. 37 red zone attempts allowed. I'm a big fan of of keeping track of how many times do you allow someone into scoring territory? You can have a great red zone defense, which they have. They have a very good red zone defense. But they're 28. They've allowed teams to drive the length of the field the entire season. And I know that these some of these players can be better, to Easton's point on, on his show and on this show. The defense is not playing up to its standard. I also don't think they're particularly great at some positions but this is just not a it's not a good defense it's it's just it's just not and maybe they can be better next year with some of the same players but Arden Key like it, you know you know what I mean like these guys it's just not a good defense there's not a single statistic that tells me that they are a good defense and Jacksonville's offense just they, they scored on five consecutive drives <laughs> like they punted on the first drive and then they scored on five straight drives, and then they punted again, and
1: that was the only time they punted the entire game. They're the very definition of a Ben do not break offense because, I mean, obviously, up until yesterday, they, their scoring opportunity or the scoring by the other teams have been pretty good for the most part. But the problem is that Ben do not break eventually will break. I mean, uh, Dick Lambeau was a big bend-don't-break kind of guy, and those broke up. Op- open all the time. Um, you know, at, at this point, I'm looking here, the only sack after Trevor Lawrence was pressured like crazy last week, right? Against San Francisco. And now listen, no time, no time. To defense throw at is all. not this defensive line is not as talented as the deep and deep as the defensive line of San Francisco, but your only sack came from the safety Terrell Edmonds. <laughs> 12 total pressures two quarterback hits that is re- ridiculous and this four man rush is not working and i get that it has worked previously in previous years but the four man rush is not working so you have to adjust like i do not understand the staff's willing unwillingness to adjust around the talent that they have and They are at least trying different players when one player is not working. But the problem is that the players that you're replacing them with are not that good either. And can I say something about Sean Murphy bunting? Put a fucking club cast on, bitch. Like, get out there, put a club cast on, and get out there and play. I think it, we've seen Stephon Gilmore do it. We've seen Buda Baker have a thumb cast on. We've seen Jason Pierre-Paul has done it numerous times. Micah Parsons did it versus the Tennessee Titans last year. Put on a club cast and get out there. Like, I do not understand. If you could practice with a little thumb injury, tape that motherfucker up like crazy and get out there because that team needs Sean Murphy bunting out there. <coughs> Excuse me as I cough. Because Roger McCreary can't play outside. I mean, he just can't. And he was fine yesterday, but he's not an outside wide receiver. He is a, or sorry, outside cornerback. He is a slot cornerback. And you are better when Roger McCreary's on the inside and Sean Murphy Bunting's on the outside. Put on a cast to get your ass out there.
0: I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree. I, it's hard for me to have a, a medical commentary, but I don't I don't necessarily disagree because I think he is an one of the only players out there that I'd be like, oh, I feel comfortable with that position. The way it is now, again, I think, it, I think it's worth it's the same thing, sort of with Tim Kelly. Like I, I Danico Autry is, is very good. He's a very good player. Is he diminishing? Yes. Same with Derrick Henry. Is Jeffrey Simmons one of the best players at his position in the world? Yes, he absolutely is, but he can't be asked to do everything anymore. And I don't
1: know they're, they're wor- working hard to trend that way. <laughs> 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 I mean, he was but on there, two offensive plays yesterday.
0: I, I I think that the more this goes on on defense, the more you are exactly what your numbers say you are. Like, you, 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 we can all say, oh, they're not, they're not as good as they were last year or they're not playing up to their potential or use whatever phrase you want. But at the end of the day, if you finish at the end of the season 32nd in takeaways, you were the worst defense in creating turnovers. That's it. You were just the worst. If you can't pressure the quarterback at the end of the season, you're ranked in the top, the bottom four in every major pressure category. You couldn't pressure the quarterback that year. You were terrible. Uh, if you can't stop the run, if they cause because again, the first four games when they're two and two, they were doing Titan stuff, right? Like it was under 75 yards rushing, pressuring the quarterback, shutting down Herbert, shutting down, you know, you pressured Herbert, you pressured Burrow, you won those two games. Like they felt like a Titans defense. And it has not been that way ever since.
1: It, it just it just I, hasn't. And not since and Eldon English, and Elden English here, you know, brings up a good point. And I said this yesterday when I saw the inactive list why are they not giving Gibson more time to see if he's someone worth keeping for death next season? It baffles me. Listen, I don't understand why this team loves Weaver. I don't get it. I I don't, I don't get why Rashad Weaver is getting all this run, all this play. Um, I mean, I, I get that. It's only like 11 pass rush snaps for Rashad Weaver, but we've seen Trev uh, Travis Gibson do a lot with 11 pass rush snaps. I do not understand that. I think that's, it's crazy. Like that to me is just crazy when I saw the inactive list and saw, okay, well, here's Trevor Lawrence who just got harassed like crazy. So surely one of the more efficient pass rushers is going to be active this week. And then here comes Travis Gibson. He's not. And I just can't, I I can't wrap my head around it. I, I just don't understand. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Bama says, we know everyone sucks and everything about this team sucks. Let's talk about whose fault it is. I do think this is where on this side of the ball, we can have a little bit more of a conversation about Vrabel and his influence and how things need to be either. We talked about it, simplified, sped up a new message, a new philosophy, a new strategy, blitz a little bit more like whatever. And I want to get to Timmy's question about how many players on the defense would you, do you, you know, are, are, are sort of proven. And would you bring back next year? We can get into that. But at the end of the day, and, and Aziz Al Shair, you kind of brought this to my attention. So if you want to take it from here, you can. But basically, like, we, we've got to try something different. And if that's blitzing more, if that's new players, if that's benching Fulton for Avery like they did, like I, they, they have to do something different. And this is where I do put a little bit more on Vrabel. While he was only a coordinator for a little bit, this is still his baby. Like, he's still a defensive-minded coach with a defensive per- player background. And, a, and he's handpicked Shane Bowen. And all this stuff, like, if you're that good, and you're as, because I'm not, I'm not anti-Vrabel yet. I'm not there on the hot seat stuff yet. We talked about that on Thursday. Three and sixteen is what it is. That'll cause anybody to raise questions. But, but, but Vrabel didn't grow up playing quarterback. He didn't grow up designing offenses. He didn't grow up as an offensive coordinator. I'm not suggesting he should be the guy to fix all the problems, but he should have a little bit more of a hand on the defensive side, in my opinion. And this, because this is clearly not working. The same shit that they've been running for now years. With some different personnel, which I would argue is drastically different than last year and the year before, some of the main pieces are there. But now that Byard's leadership is gone, who's the same when this defense was truly great, if it ever was? Who who's this? Who are those pieces that are still there outside of Jeffrey Simmons and Danico
1: Autry? Yeah, listen, you know Aziz Al Shair is playing similar to what David Long played. If you look at the stats last year. The difference is that the defensive line this year is worse than it was last year at opening up holes. Uh, no flags film put out this uh, put out two plays. It was uh, David Long versus Isaiah Pacheco when the Dolphins played the Chiefs uh, last week. Pacheco held up David Long in one play, but David Long had free clear shot to get in because the, I mean I'm not even joking. I mean it was you could probably put like three tier tarts in the hole that the defensive (laughs) line for the tenant for the Miami Dolphins opened up for David long on both these plays. And that's what the Titans used to do. The Titans used to open up these run blitzing lanes for these defenders. And they're doing that over in Miami. They're not doing it here. And that's why you see the run defense being as bad as it is. It's not because of, missing david long it's because the guys up front are not doing what they want to do and listen i'll I'll be the first it maybe i didn't give enough credit to jim schwartz okay so like maybe this is a jim schwartz issue here but you go around and you read about Shane Bowen being one of the top co- head coaching candidates for this upcoming coaching cycle because apparently he's well-respected around the league and blah, 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 blah. And this was written by, uh, I think it was Tom Pellicero, maybe. Uh, maybe Phil Yates. Or it's one of those NFL.com writers that are pretty sure. famous. Um, But, like, I, I look at it and Aziz – Aziz has a different outlook than everybody else that we've heard from recently. Because we've heard from Jeffrey Simmons, we've heard from Derek Henry. They have both said that it is we got to play better. We've heard Mike Vrabel say we got to play better. Okay. So we've heard many that be the main thing these last few weeks is play better. Well, Aziz, who is new to all this and not ingrained or brainwashed by coach better, play better. Maybe he hasn't been lulled into a hypnosis effect from from having to hear that for four or five years. He says yesterday, same. if you keep doing the same stuff, you're going to get the same results. You're doomed to repeat it, history, whatever thing you want to throw out there. And he says, we got to try something different. Well, trying something different falls onto the coaches. And we have talked about the message getting stale on the show and all this stuff. And listen, I don't know, and I'm not paid to know what's going on inside the locker room and how a coach can, what the coach can do with the players they has got. Because I think uh, I, King Carnage, said it best. Um, If I could find it. Teams have been stealing from Vrabel's scheme for years. He's not stupid. They steal for a reason. The horses are just booty. So, you know, when, love, love some booty horses. I don't know what you can do, but I think like blitzing should be an option, right? I think yeah, making yeah. Travis Gibson active should be an option. You know, stuff like that needs to, they need to get more creative. I feel like there's a lack of creativity. Maybe it's, and maybe this is like the worst possible way to look at it, or this is the worst possible scenario, or whatever, you however you want to look at it. But it's like it's complicated and uncreative. Yep, it's kind of like what it feels like, <laughs> and it needs to be simplified, like you said. But that's their job. That is the coach's job, and yes. I, and I it's same on the offense. Is that at the end of the day, these are the players you these are the fifty three players you are given. Your job is is to put them in the best position to succeed. Now it is their job to execute, and Will Levis himself said whatever is happening at practice is not getting carried over to the game. So, I mean, like, but Aziz Alshir is saying, well, we got to try something different. I don't know what that something different is, but it sounds like there's a major disconnect between the new people and the old people. Uh, as far as players go.
0: I, I really do believe, and a lot of you have kind of mentioned each one of these things, so I want to kind of put them together because this is what I think it really is. I think it is the snowball effect of all of the death by a thousand cuts. And and it is, if you want to say like, hey, set, Jeffrey Simmons isn't having as good a year. Okay, fine. That's fine. Sometimes you have a better year than you, you did the year before. Danico Autry is maybe half a step slower or because he's getting a little bit older. I do believe that they are less athletic. Like, I like Aziz Al Shayer. He is not as bursty, and I think Herndon said this with you on F words last week. He's just not as explosive as David Long. David Long would be through the line of scrimmage. I, I just in, disagree. In I, I think you guys. Well, let let are... me let me let me finish. Yeah, I, I think Aziz Shir is fine. I think he's a nice player. I think David Long also. I, I think he's a more explosive player. Not healthy, which is a major problem. Availability is a key. So I think they're less athletic, especially between the tackles at linebacker. I think that Arden Key is just a. another warm body out there. So I don't think they improved that. Then you trade Kevin Byard again, not an elite player anymore, but nothing changed
1: there, but a very Molden's playing pretty good,
0: but a very important voice and and veteran presence. Because one of the other things we're going to talk about today is how these leaders of this team need to act like them. And so I think what happens is, is like, okay, the message is a little stale. Some of the pieces have gotten old. You've changed a few pieces. You're less explosive here. You trade away your vocal leader at say, like, you, oh, Sean Murphy bunting is injured. Like, you just start piling it all together and Jim Swartz is gone. Like, you put it all together and you've got the problems that they have. And I think it's the it's all of it wrapped up into one. And the good news with that is that I think some of those things are easily fixed. And that whether that's changing up the scheme, making a few tweaks here or there, maybe you go go get some free agent depth at linebacker for... Fuck's sake. I don't know. But like there, there. It seems like some of these things that can be fixed, because even while I think David Long might be more explosive than al shahir he is not an elite player that you're replacing David Long. So like
1: you should be able to go and get that no Fred level Warner. of power. Like if people act like he's, right, right. Have this right. revisionist love history. Right. That he is Fred Warner when he got burned all the time by tight ends and receivers and stuff in coverage, he was terrible at coverage.
0: I I do think that a hooker is slightly worse because he's being, he's being asked to be the number one. And I think that's a little, maybe he's not, maybe that's not what he is. Maybe he's miscast a bit as the number one safety. Maybe he needs to be a number two safety. So I just think it's a snowball effect piling up and it absolutely agree with you. This is where it is on the coaching staff, Mike Vrabel, Shane Bowen, Chris Harris, who was brought in for this exact reason, to be different, to bring energy to the secondary. And and they are, uh, the passing defense was technically statistically worse last year, but not by much. The difference is the entire unit is significantly worse this year than it was last year. And so they got to fix the problems. That's on the defensive coaching staff, in my opinion. I, I don't think it is Tim Kelly's job to like, it's his job to develop Will Levis and maybe put him in better situations. But you can't do any of that with, with an offensive line that is actually worse than the offensive line they had last year. <laughs>
1: You, you can do it. You just have to do it. I mean, like, I, I don't get the. I think that's I think that's silly. We've seen offenses with bad offensive lines do better than what they're doing right now. Have we not? I mean, I I know we have. I mean, you talk about Deshaun Watson and the, the, the times before Tim Kelly took over play calling about how good and explosive and points they were putting up even as a rookie. And they had a terrible offensive line for those years we've seen t- we've seen Andrew Luck behind a terrible offensive line uh Joe Burrow behind a off- terrible offensive line and listen I'm not expecting Will Levis to be as good as any of those guys but quarterbacks and offenses can be effective without a bad offensive line the offensive coordinator just has to scheme it and what their current scheme is is not good enough all right well, for um, right now it has been it has been good because this saying this offensive line week one. Right. There were quick, schemed open players all over the field. And this offensive line is, I think, technically better than what it was week one uh, because Andre Dillard wasn't playing. So at this point, I I think you have to understand that it's it's not just the offensive line. If it's a major problem, do not get me wrong. The offensive line is a major problem. But these last three weeks. Tim Kelly deserves some blame for these last three weeks.
0: I, I, I know. Of course, I'm not. I'm not saying he doesn't. Everybody deserves blame for everything. I'm just saying I think there's I put more of the defensive issues on the coaching staff. It's still number one players. I still think number one on this entire roster. Other than uh, Ryan, I agree. Fo- other than, I, Ryan Fo- Stonehouse, other yeah. than the punter and Jeffrey Simmons they need better players everywhere at almost every single position on the roster. They need to be better. They need to improve their talent level. They will not win championships unless they improve their talent level significantly across the board, offense and defense, but who is like, I think they have a little bit more talent and some key, key positions on defense. And of course your head coach leans that way. Anyway, I put a little bit more on those guys to sort of fix some of their problems on that side versus what the offense is where, again, I've watched so many teams, like, especially you know, as a Packers fan, like how many times, but you get to like week four or five and you realize you have a shitty offensive line and you're like, you can't fix that, man. You just, even with good scheme, good quarterback play, good receiving play, sometimes it's just one of those. I'm not you, saying
1: you can fix the offensive line, but you can fix your offensive production.
0: Sure. And, and it, it's just, it's just the one position that's very hard. Like you can improve running back play throughout the course of the year, which if you want to touch on Derrick Henry, we can. I, I think because I want to get to some quick SEC notes here to wrap up, but I, I do think. I do think Derrick Henry, I don't think he's like, you know, I think it's good to say quitting or whatever. I don't think that's right. I think he still plays equally as hard on every snap, but like, it does look like he has lost a step or like, I wouldn't blame him from a human standpoint. If he is just like, man, fuck this.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I, now I don't listen to Ramon, will and Kayla uh, in the mornings, but as uh, Stoney did this morning and I just want to bring this up because this ties into our leadership thing and we can rub a bow on this Titans conversation. Will just asked, Will Bowling just asked Ramon Foster, who is propping guys up on the sideline right now? Who is getting guys, you know, hyped up? Who's getting guys focused, blah, 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 blah. Whatever you want to use a propping up. He said it was Jeff on defense. Makes sense. Jeff's the only guy on defense that has consistently played his fucking heart out every week. Ty and, on on Spears and, on, and, and on offense. <laughs> Ty J Spears on offense. Yep. There you that, go. That says all I need. To, I, listen, I'm a big Derrick Henry guy. And I, like you said, you can only be human, do so much. But if if, Der, if Ty J Spears is the guy, the skill player, getting people up and propping people up on offense during the game against Jacksonville, and Derrick mm-hmm. Henry's nowhere to be found, we've talked about it. This team is desperate for players to step up and do leadership. And I said, I've said it a few weeks ago, I said about maybe a month and a half ago. I said, man, they're really do. They're really do for a, um, a players only meeting. And by God, I'm still here waiting on that players only <laughs> meeting. And you know, really it should be big Jeff and Derek Henry calling it, but a big Jeff's waiting around for Derek Henry to help join him on his side and do an off and do get both sides together then he's going to be waiting a while. Cause it doesn't seem like Derek Henry really is. It seems like he's really just kind of like, I don't know. They're like, he's got to step up and being a leader. If he's not going to, st- if he cannot do stuff on yeah. the
0: field. It's interesting. This kind of dovetails with a lot of different comments. Cause somebody said something, uh, uh strike Sh- says they missed that Taylor Lewan energy. Uh, same thing with K- King carnage. They missed uh, Taylor Lewan's elite play. Uh, Deagle says Alshair is not a very good is, is he not a very good leader despite being voted a captain. Now I would argue you don't have to be a roo rah rah, pom-pom scream and yell guy to be a great leader. There's lots of different types of great leadership. So Alshair is not that type of personality. He is absolutely, I mean, he's extremely thoughtful. He, I've, you know, I've talked to him a few times. He's like, he's just kind of a down to earth kind of quiet guy, but like, that doesn't mean you're not a great leader. Um, I, I think what happens is we see Taylor Lewan type of personalities. And I think Spears is maybe exhibiting that on the sidelines. Certainly Jeffrey Simmons is, and, and we sort of, Put people in a box and say that's what it takes to get people hyped, and that's not always what great leadership looks like. Maybe during the game, Taylor
1: One would tell you himself he was not a very good leader for like five or seven years. Like he is like (laughs) year like his final two years, he's like, oh, I think I'm finally a good leader. Figured it finally figured it out. So, I to
0: me, it's about holding guys accountable. It's about demanding excellence. It's about leading by example. It's about knowing how to motivate the people around you in different ways. Some people do need to be screamed at, and some people need to be propped up. Like there's just there's so much of all of that that goes into being a great leader. So I, I don't know. Like I do. I, here's what I'll say about Tajay Spears. Motherfucker fights till the last second of every play. Every play. Every how single play. Does
1: too just as far as unfilled production. By the way, I I mean. That's why you get those guys involved. Uh, you know, I was kind of thinking today, like Ty J. Spears needs to be like the guy you lean on for like the first, you know, three quarters. And then you put in Derrick Henry and just let him just like bulldoze a tired entire defense. You know, like why? <laughs> I like that. I, like I don't that. know. Let's try it. Like, I mean, it's better than, you know, the people are like, oh, well, he didn't get his 20 carries. Well, he's like averaging 3.8 yards per carry. And they were all like right up the I mean, it was just. He's just not good, and right now, and he has his moments, right? The he has his moments of, oh, there's the there's Derrick Henry that we've seen, and then but that those are very few and far between. I,
0: I think it is. What does this offensive line situation call for? And the straight line zone blocking downhill crease one cut and go type of player maybe isn't as effective behind this offensive line as the quick twitch jittery guy that can make people miss, and so that might be where we're at on this. Um, and, uh, and let's be honest, one guy is, you know, 23 and one guy's had 1500 carries and is almost 30 years old. Like it just kind of is what it is. So, um, and Trey says, I don't have to be propped up at my job. I don't think it's being propped up. I think people are motivated in different ways, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, et cetera. And it's just about knowing which levers to push with which guys Anybody a that play
1: job. has played a team sport knows that yeah. like, there's always like one or two guys that are leaders that are trying to get the team yeah. around them. You know, motivated and to whether that's lead by example uh, yeah. or you know hyping up player uh, people on the sidelines and stuff like that. I mean, that's just that's just sports. Yep,
0: yep. Uh, all right, we'll we'll wrap up some some co- with some college football here stuff, um, and we'll move on. But because uh, I've got some, how about we we'll we'll save uh, your apology for just a second because I'm going to mention this about because I think Tennessee Vols fans are equally as upset about their team after the drubbing they took to Georgia as I think Titans fans are. And I think that's, that's fair. I mean, it's hard to lose 27 to nothing in the second half of Alabama, get destroyed by Missouri and then get destroyed by Georgia and think that everything is all perfect. I I think the big picture though, for Tennessee football is, is it's important to remember that this is year three for Josh Heupel that all those big time recruits that he brought in last year are freshmen on the roster right now that I think he hit with Hendon hooker and, and got lucky quote unquote with Hendon hooker being as good as Hendon hooker was with, Oh, by the way, a top 10 offensive lineman and Darnell, right? Two NFL receivers. You got Bama at home in a, not, not a fluky win, but an extraordinarily rare and and insane win. (laughs) Like you needed a, a drive on the last possession in 40 seconds to win that game. Um, I, I, the South Carolina game last year is concerning. The Missouri game last week is concerning, but if all your biggest losses and, you know, Florida this past year, that this, this this season early in the year, I think is concerning. You you want to work through some of those things. But I think taking a step back when you go from Hooker to Milton in preparation for the next generation of young players to take over, namely Nico at quarterback. I, I, and we'll talk about this on Wednesday, but like that dude needs to play against Vanderbilt. Doesn't have to start, but he needs to play because the whole point of this, this is a gap year. For Tennessee, it was always going to be a gap year. Nine and three would have been better if you don't get beat by Florida. You know, a lot of mistakes in that game, but this was going to be a gap year for Tennessee. Always, 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 always. How do they respond next season? How does the quarterback look next season? How does the depth chart look after a fourth recruiting class? To me, that is far more important than. Oh, we just lost to the number one team in the nation who might go on to win a third straight national championship.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, the, the offense has to, under Nico, this high prized recruit, right? This prized recruit, this offense has to get back to what it looked like under Hindenhooker. Because then, if he comes back next, let's say Nico is here next year and he, they, it looks more of the same of what you got this year, right? It looks more of the same of Milton. It's kind of disjointed. You got some big plays, but then you got some really big misses and all this stuff. And he doesn't give you the 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 athletic ability that Milton gives you where he can run the ball and take some hits, too. So you got to be able to protect Nico as well. If it's more the same of what you see this year, which I don't think it will be, by the way, I I don't think that. But if it is, then you got some a little bit of concern creeping in because I don't think you should have any concern about uh, youth pastor Josh. As a, as a head coach right now, you yeah. know I would like to see him probably get rid of Tim Banks. If I was a vol a vol, vol, university volunteer football University of Tennessee volunteer University of fan. Volunteers, I like that. Yeah, University of <laughs> Volunteers, uh, University
0: of Crimson Tide Sidewalk Alumni Association.
1: <laughs> I I would like to see him go. If I was a fan of this football team, I would like to see him go because I think that would show that coach coach dad he knows what's happening and he knows yeah. that tim banks is not that good at anything really penn in my opinion
0: penn state's defense has gotten better since he left um yeah. I, I, i'm not calling fair's job or anything but I, I i think they can do better at defensive coordinator i think the key is the and depth you have chart. to
1: find someone that can be the josh heupel of the defense tim banks is not that yeah guy.
0: yeah i think it's very similar to the titans struggles like i just don't think like Nico's a young star quarterback. Will Levis, young star quarterback. There's going to be growing pains. And and Bama, you said, shouldn't Nico be the better quarterback even now if he was all that? No. That, that's I don't think so. Like Tua Tungava Loa didn't start as a freshman. Bryce Young didn't start as a freshman. Trevor Lawrence took half a season before he knocked Kelly Bryant out of the starting lineup. Joe Burrow. There's left-
1: also like redshirt stuff that comes yes. into play with J- all this kind of stuff.
0: Joe Joe Burrow, which they're trying to do with Nico, they want to keep him so they can redshirt him because bowl games no longer count towards the redshirt. So they want to keep him redshirted for next season so he can be a redshirt freshman next year, which would be awesome if you're a Tennessee fan. Joe Burrow had to leave Ohio State to go start. Will Levis didn't start at Penn State. Like guys that are young take time to to develop. And Joe Milton has been around so much. And one of the things I like about Josh Heupel's season this year is sort of how he evolved the offense and, and was willing to adapt and change as the season went along because Joe Milton wasn't good enough, but he was still better than the true freshman. You know that, that which is not that crazy for the 6 year senior to still be slightly better than the five-star true freshman. That's not an unusual thing at all. Caleb Williams did not start as a freshman at Oklahoma. That was Spencer Rattler. <laughs> so yeah. it's not, it's not unusual for this to be wh- where they're at. I just think if all this continues next year, and they go on the road to teams like Florida who are middle of the pack and have mental mistakes and lose those games or have a couple of blowouts on the road, still can't compete with Bama and Georgia at the highest levels of the, of the conference. And Nico doesn't develop then we can have. And the defense gets worse. Then I think there's time to have conversations about this stuff. But right now this was supposed to be a step back season. I had the, the the over under total was nine and a half. I cashed my check under nine and a half. I, I, I know it's disappointing, but don't lose sight of the fact that they're recruiting really well. They have an offensive identity. They have 71,000 season tickets sold and that they have a star quarterback ready to take over next year. Like just let's not lose sight Hopefully of that star quarterback. Ho- Again, that's, that's, that's yeah. the idea. We'll, we'll learn about that when it happens. Next year. Not, not right now. So just don't, I know it sucks. Georgia's really good. <laughs> so just, if you lose to Bama and Georgia this year in Missouri, that's three of the top nine teams in America. <laughs> so just, yeah, little perspective i know it's not how everybody likes it how it's going but let's just 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 keep it there okay just keep it tight keep it tight keep it tight all right all Uh, right what were you wrong real quick
1: just real quick alert and sound the presses i was wrong about Jaden daniels uh (laughs) dude it should be the heisman winner no doubt i no doubt my mind that that is your heisman winner to all those who bet money on the Jaden uh, Daniels Heisman and got really good odds. You guys are going to make a shit ton of money, probably. Um, he's been damn good. Now, I, I sent this to you on on Saturday. I said, um, <laughs> people are wondering, is Jaden Daniels this draft class as Lamar Jackson? and uh with an eating disorder because i mean he's dude skinny as shit <laughs> he's uh he cannot skin. play like he's playing now in the nfl more than likely i mean it's like a very rg3-esque the way to play and we saw how that ended up if he adds on enough weight i mean that dude would and i i thought for sure that he would not be good and so i just want to say that to Jaden daniels even though the bama beat you, and. uh he, and all that kind of stuff. I Hitch have in the face. Daniels has played lights out this year and has put up ridiculous numbers, has looked good doing it, has shown leadership, poise, toughness, and he's doing it on the ground, in the air. He's your Heisman winner. And I think that he could be the most underrated quarterback in this draft class heading in, kind of like Lamar Jackson was. It's going to be all about how much weight can he put on between now yeah. and the combine. Uh, here's
0: the here here's the thing about Lamar that people don't realize that guy's like two fifteen. He, he was he yeah. was like two he was over two ten he was like two ten in college Jaden daniels is like one seventy five like I stood next to him yeah. at SNC media days and he is extra he's like Bryce young small like he's even thinner than Bryce young so he's a little taller than Bryce but very very Lamar has always kind of had a, a a thicker lower body than that so he's got to be better. what's interesting is that you weren't wrong though about Jaden Daniels either in the preseason when you said I don't think. He is capable of elevating them to a championship level, which is why I had Alabama, for example, winning the West and, and playing in Atlanta, because while he's got a very good chance to win the Heisman, because the numbers are insane. And yes, plenty of quarterbacks win the Heisman Trophy on two and three lost teams. Caleb Williams didn't win his conference last year. Lamar Jackson, Robert Griffin, Tim Tebow all didn't even win their conference and had multiple losses. Johnny Manziel, multiple losses, didn't even win their division for Texas A. M in 2012. All that stuff is very true. They got shut down by Florida State in the second half in the in one of the most important games of the year. He was down by two touchdowns when he got hurt against Alabama, the, the most important game of the year. He was great against Missouri on the road, so that's a big one there. And he's been great against everybody else. And then Ole Miss is – I don't think it was his fault they lost to Ole Miss. That was all on the defense. So th- the issue is, like, if you value the championship as a, as a, a voter carrying your team – and elevating your team to that level, I think Bo Nix is your guy. I think Michael Penix is your guy. I think there's a handful of other guys. If it's just pure, like, who is the most outstanding, it's probably Jaden Daniels. I think there's a receiver at Ohio State that might get a lot of first-place votes because the quarterbacks might split the vote because people are going to have a tough time deciding which quarterback is truly better in this conversation. And as a voter, I'm not going to tell you who's in my list, but I've got three names basically tied. Right now, yeah, I have three three names tied. Michael Penix was I mean, really good on Saturday night yeah. on the road against Oregon State to keep his team in in line for a national championship. So,
1: I, and I would say this, you know, I, I LSU kind of that team that, like, I think you're talking about like a 50 percent split. If they played Alabama, you know, ten times a year, I think they'd be five and five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I I think that Jane Daniels has been that good that I think that.
0: I mean, the numbers are
1: Malik. Malik Neighbors is also very, 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 very good. I mean, so is I'll Brian be, Thomas. <laughs> and Brian Thomas is very, very good. Um, so, but, it's gonna be you know, it's gonna
0: be interesting. It's gonna be interesting.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting.
0: It is a here's it's a it's a fascinating. Uh, Braden is going to let the chat decide his vote. <laughs> uh, from Deagle, that listen, I maybe I will. Maybe maybe we'll put it to a vote, and I'll let the I'll let the listeners of a football show decide who's third place on my ballot how about that (laughs) oh there you go because right now i've got three names that are clearly the top three in my in my opinion and i've got them i can't decide really the order right now but i've got three that are kind of above everybody else so um and uh right now dallas turner's not not in there so (laughs) 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 neither 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 is joe joe milton Uh, all right thank you to sinkers beverages thank you to kingston group thank you guys to all the comments man you guys were great today as usual hey here's the other thing i should have said this earlier we are gonna be back on wednesday this week Wednesday at 1 o'clock so make sure you stay tuned uh, Wednesday 1 o'clock we're going to preview all Thanksgiving weekend action and the Titans game and we're going to we're going to go into exactly what questions about this Titans team have actually been answered. Uh, how many players, how many pl- people have proven themselves, how many questions are still up for debate. We'll get to that on Wednesday so 1 o'clock Wednesday, a day early Happy Thanksgiving to everybody of course for Zach, I am Braden. Thank you for listening We'll talk to you on Wednesday this week 1 o'clock. This has been a football show i <laughs> you